following Jesus. I want to talk to you about following Jesus. And I have concerns that we're winning converts to Christianity, but we're not fostering followers of Jesus. I'm leery of Christianity that embraces a prayer, but is absent of a walk. And tonight, I've been exposed in the last year to, um, to, a, to a world that, that hates Christianity but loves Jesus. I know I, you, you say to yourself, well, that's incongruent. And I, I agree. Except for, except for what's happened in the last many years in, Christian, in Christianity, in Christian circles. And so in Matthew 28, verse 19, you know this well. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, make what? Disciples of all nations. And I know that we need to make disciples in all nations. We need to make disciples of all, uh, of all nations. But tonight, I just want to take just the word disciple. Jesus never commanded us to make Christians. Jesus never sent us out to preach Christianity. He said 127 times in different ways, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and say the kingdom has come near you. He never, he never created a religion. Actually, he wasn't very happy with the religious system, the religious people. And, you, I, you know, it's interesting because Judaism, which was, I used to think was the Old Testament was called Judaism. That's not true. Between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew is 400 years, which the Protestants call 400 years of silence. There was a religion that was begun that's called Judaism. Did you notice that there are no Pharisees in the Old Testament? There are scribes in the Old Testament, but they had a different role. There was no Sadducees in the Old Testament. Between Malachi and Matthew, a religion developed on the back of, 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 of the Old Covenant called Judaism. And just to give you an idea, there were 617 laws, 617 rules. I'm sorry, there was 217 rules in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, in the, in the Bible from, from Genesis to Malachi. If you counted all of the Rules. Obviously, you have the Ten Commandments. But if you count all the, the Levitical rules, all the rules in Deuteronomy, all the rules that the people had to keep, there was 217. By the time Jesus walked the earth, there were 611. 611. They had added 400 more rules to the law, and they called that Judaism. <laughs> I, I'm concerned that... What was called Christianity in the first century is nothing close to Christianity today. That, and do you know that, that Jesus never called anyone a Christian? They were first called, believers were first called Christians in Antioch. And the only other mention of the word Christian is in the book of Peter. And Peter said, Peter is talking about suffering. And he says, if anybody suffers as a Christian, let him do it nobly. Only two times in the, in the whole entire Bible is the word Christian mentioned. One is they were first called Christians at Antioch. And two, Peter embraces the word and says, and said, if anyone suffers as a Christian. Everywhere else they were called disciples. Disciples of Jesus. And where I'm going is this. I, I believe that, that there is something happening in the hearts of 
believers in which Christianity has become like Judaism. It's become a religion with added rules and with no presence. I'm not saying it should be. I'm saying it's become that. And I want to just talk to you a little bit about what Jesus wants and what Jesus um, did and what Jesus wants us to do. Um, Kathy was telling me a story about a guy, you know, we have two horses and we have one horse that's kind of, it's a children's horse. It's kind of old and it's mellow, like me. It's kind of laid back and easy going. And uh, anyone could ride it, even I could ride it. And then she has another horse called Dreamer that's four years old and and you kind of need to know what you're doing to be on that horse. And so she was giving horse rides this particular time and a bunch of people were at our house and there was a, a man who came over who had cowboy hat and belt buckle, cowboy boots and, you know, the whole uh, garb. And so there was lots of people riding. And when she got to him, she's kind of, you know, trying to ascertain how much experience people have so to know which horse to put them on. If they have lots and lots of experience, then they want to ride the, a better horse. And, and uh, so she got to him and and she was saying, you know, what what kind of what level of experience do you have? And. Anyway, after a little bit of small talk, he finally told her that actually he's never ridden a horse before in his life. That reminds me of some Christians. <laughs> some Christians are wearing all the garb, but they actually have never been in the presence before. They're not carrying the presence. They didn't, wouldn't know what to do if they saw a demon, a sick person. They, <laughs> There's this whole new level of Christianity where people are wearing the stuff, but they don't know how to do anything in the kingdom. In fact, they've never met the king. You know, do you know that that praying a prayer to receive Jesus is not in the Bible? Show me one time in the Bible where anyone ever prayed a prayer to receive Jesus. One time, anywhere in the whole Bible. Can you imagine Jesus saying, okay, who would like to follow me? Raise your hand. I see that hand right there. Come forward. Pray this prayer with me. And listen, I want to tell you something. I received Jesus by praying a prayer. I'm not against the prayer. I'm saying that when we replace following Jesus with the prayer, something's wrong. I don't care if you stand on your head and turn upside down or, you know, you pour salt on him, whatever. Whatever. It's an act of faith, right? We receive Jesus by faith. And if you stood by faith and received Jesus, you raised your hand, you came forward, whatever, you crawled on the floor. I don't care. As long as you did it by faith. And as long as, <laughs> as, as long as the, the, <laughs> as long as the wedding became a marriage. A lot of people get married, but they never, I mean, they have a wedding, but they actually never marry. It's amazing how much people, how much money people will spend on a wedding and not spend any time on a marriage. Here we go. Christianity has become a creed to repeat, a religious philosophy to believe in. But any belief system void of the presence of God is just religion. I think it was Bono who said religion is, I think, how do you put it? He said something awesome. <laughs> I don't even know if he's a believer, but if he is, I'm not saying he isn't. Is he? Awesome. He's a believer. <laughs> he said, it's almost, like reli- uh, it's almost like religion's what's left over when the spirits left the room. Anyway. 
How many of you know that Christianity has started numerous wars, killed millions of people, imprisoned multitudes, but the kingdom stops wars, loves its enemies, and frees its prisoners? You know, we're going in places, we are, <laughs> why am I telling you all this? We are going into in places in the, of the world that when you say you're a follower of Jesus, they, they say, come on in. We, and by the way, they love a powerful Jesus. I'm finding they love a Jesus that can heal the sick, deliver them from demons. I mean, they love Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. But when you say, I'm a Christian, they think crusades, they think control, they think imprisonment, they think wars against Muslims, they think that. That's not what Jesus taught us to do. Jesus didn't say, kill your enemies, he said, love your enemies. He said, pray for those who persecute you. And I'm learning that one of the reasons why... People don't want to become a Christian is because it, it doesn't represent what Jesus taught us to be or do. Uh-oh. Listen to this. Matthew four nineteen, Jesus said to them, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. I will follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. How many of you know that following Jesus gives you meaningful ministry? But to follow Jesus means that you're in his presence. <laughs> this, is, this is so deep. Matthew 5, 22. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury the dead. How many of you know that you have to love Jesus more than your family? Oh my goodness. Don't talk like that. It was Jack Taylor who said, an idol is anything you have to check with before you say yes to God. It doesn't mean I don't work things out with my wife and my family. You understand this, this message obviously has a balance someplace. But when I follow Jesus, it means that I have, my loyalty is first to him before it's to anybody else. Here we go. Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew, sitting at a tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Did he get up and raise his hand? Did Jesus say, Matthew, if you'd like to be my disciple, would you pray this prayer? No, he said, follow me. And what I'm getting at, Matthew's a tax collector. When you follow Jesus, you leave your sins behind. <laughs> See, you can be a Christian and be a sinner, but you can't be a believer and be a sinner. Huh. I know they should be synonymous. I'm talking about 21st century Christianity. You can live any way you want and call yourself a Christian, but you can't follow Jesus and be a believer and live any way you want. In fact, 1 John chapter 3 says this, verse 4, Everyone who practices sin it also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there's no sin. No one who abides in him sins. What does it say? No one? No one. I looked up the Greek. It means no one. No one who abides in him sins. 
No one abides in him sins, and no one who sins has seen him or knows him. How many of you know that if you're following Jesus, you can see him? Why? Because that's who you're following. <laughs> you can't follow Jesus like this if you don't know where Jesus is. Oh, boy. This is so deep tonight. Listen to this. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin, everybody say practices. Practice means you work on it. Are, Are you with me? Practice means you do it over and over till you get good at it. It says no one who practices, it says the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, how many of you know the works of the devil are all, they're wider than sin? But the context here, when he says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, I believe that the works of the devil are sickness, disease, torment. But the context in this, in this specific verse is sin. He came to destroy the works of the devil, and the context is sin that has, that has got a grip on people. It's, it's the kind of sin that you don't think you can get free from. People say, I'm addicted to pornography. Well, the context here is he came to destroy the works of the devil, and, that, and the pornography that you were, that you were stuck with, that you were, that you were addicted to, How many of you know Jesus has the power in a one-step process to deliver you from pornography? If you leave here feeling guilty because you're stuck in pornography, you miss the message. This is a message of hope. And the message of hope is this. You don't have to be stuck in pornography. Well, I feel like I do. Okay, well, you just believed a lie. That's why you felt like you do. As long as you believe that lie, you'll be stuck. (laughs) Let me finish it. No one who is born of God practices sin. Well, I know lots of Christians who practice sin. They live together. They believe in all kinds of stuff. They do drugs. They, they, you know, but, but, so what do I do with them? They're Christians. I'm talking about followers. You stay close to Jesus, one of two things happens. You either get convicted of your sin or you get power to get be delivered from it. And both those things we need. I stay close to Jesus. Do you remember Jesus turns to Zac, uh, Zacchaeus, who's in a tree. And he just says, Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner at your house. That's all he says to him. He doesn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, let me tell you about your sins. He says, Zacchaeus, I want to stay at your house tonight. I want to have dinner at your house. And Zacchaeus gets up down from the tree and he's walking along and he says, listen, if I've wronged anybody, if... Yeah, yeah, if I have. I will pay back up to half my wealth I will give away to the poor. And he begins to tell Jesus about his sins. All Jesus said is, I'd like to come to your house. How many of you know when Jesus comes to your house, you want to clean your house because it's the Holy Spirit who moves in? And the Holy Spirit creates a holy place. For a holy temple, so a holy God can live in the holy temple, and that would be you. Do you understand that the glory that's in you is greater than the glory that was in Moses? And the glory was so strong in Moses, they had to put a veil over his face, and even the ground he stepped on was holy ground? 
Hmm. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after he must deny after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. How many of you know that following Jesus, what does it say? Take up his cross and what? Follow me. That means that following Jesus requires sacrifice at times. Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. I didn't ask you if you wanted to do that. I asked you if that's where Jesus is going. <laughs> don't you wish that Jesus always went to the comfortable places? Oh, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, including Hawaii. In fact, excluding anywhere but Hawaii. It's like, no, no, sometimes you have to lay your life down. No, let me put it this way. You always have to lay your life down. And sometimes Jesus walks places you're not comfortable with, and that's why he gave you a comforter. Christians don't need to go there, but followers do. (laughs) Philippians 1.27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel so that whether I come to you or see you, uh, or, uh, see you or remain absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let me give you one more. Colossians 1.29, for this purpose I also labor, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. Let me give you one more. Hebrews 12.4 For you have not resisted to the point of shedding the blood in your striving against sin. I hear people say, we shouldn't strive. How many know there's bad striving and good striving? How do I know when I'm striving good? When Jesus is striving, you strive. <laughs> this is hard. Jesus said, my father is working till today. That's why I'm working. When he healed... Uh, a guy on the Sabbath day, the Pharisees were upset. He said, I have to work because my father's working today. I mean, maybe the father usually takes the day off, but today he's working. By the way, I believe in rest, but I also believe in striving. Not striving for your kingdom, but for his. I'm going to use this four-letter word, okay? Hold on, you ready? Work. <laughs> Followers of Jesus work. Ah, oh, you know what? It's all about Jesus did it all for me. No, actually he didn't. Actually, you were created for good works in Christ Jesus. In Christianity, that's a cuss word, but following Jesus, you have to work. <laughs> Here we go. Matthew nineteen twenty one. Jesus said to him, if you wish to, com- to be complete, go sell your possessions and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Sometimes you have to give up your wealth to follow Jesus. Did you notice he said, follow me? He didn't say, okay, if you'd like to receive me, then give up your wealth and pray this prayer. No, do you understand that following Jesus is a lifelong process? It's not a one-time commitment. It's a lifelong process. When I got married, I said, I do. Man, I didn't know how much I do. I mean, I'm still doing. <laughs> I just thought, you know, I was young. I'm like, I said, I do. And she said, well, keep on doing. In fact, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either they will hate one and love the other, or they will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, get this, ready? Serve God and money. You can't serve God and wealth. When somebody stands up and takes an offering in church, or someone asks you for money on the street, and I'm not saying you should give it, but when you're mad about it, you can tell who you're serving. You'll always protect the one you're serving. I don't think anyone should ever work for money. 
A bunch of you need to quit your jobs. Go back to the place you work for and serve the king. Don't change your occupation. Just quit your job. Stop working for money and start working for the king. Well, you know, I got a better opportunity over here. Is that where he's going? Because, see, you're following him. And I'd rather make $10 an hour and have it blessed than make 20 and not have Jesus there. I don't make this decisions based on promotion. I certainly didn't come here for money. I didn't say I haven't been blessed being here because I totally have. I'd be a liar if I said I wasn't. But I didn't come here for money. I'd never even asked how much that paid. I was afraid to. <laughs> Matthew 10, how we doing? Okay, Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. Listen to this. Following Jesus, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Have you ever had somebody call you on the phone, and you don't have to look at caller ID? You pick up the phone, you go, hello, and as soon as they say, hello, you know who it is. I remember... um, Years ago, I used to pray in the prayer chapel. That was before people. <laughs> Sorry. But I used to pray in the prayer chapel for a long time. And then there's a sign that says, please don't bother everybody in the prayer chapel. But people who come to the prayer chapel, they cannot read English. <laughs> or Chinese. Or Spanish. Or Braille. Or anything else. I'd be laying on the floor and people are like, when you get done praying, can you talk to me? Oh, uh, whatever. You better be an angel or I'm going to be mad. <laughs> and I'd be, I like to pray. I, I, typically at home, I like to pray on my face. Nothing spiritual about it. I'm just really ADD. And when I shut everything out, it helps me to focus, just to be totally honest. So it's nothing spiritual about laying on the floor for me. It's just the way I focus best. So I laid on the floor. And sometimes Bill would pray at the same, at the same time. And when Bill would come into the room, I'd been with Bill 34 years and when Bill would come in the room, I would know Bill was in the room before he ever started to pray or talk or anything. Because he always goes, <clears throat> <laughs> in a certain tone, and he walks a certain way. I lay on the floor, and I'm like, Bill's in the room. Now, how could I teach you, listen, if I was trying to teach you Bill's voice, and, and, Bill, wasn't, and Bill wasn't here, and I said, okay, I want to teach you how to hear Bill's voice. Okay, I say, it's a ma- he's a male. Okay, well, that eliminates all the female voices. And I could go through a list and I could, we could eliminate a lot. Of, okay, he's not, he's not in the middle of puberty. That eliminates. And so on and so forth. In other words, out of 7.1 billion, I could probably narrow it down to about a billion people. Like that in my description, right? Are you following me? But the only way you're going to know Bill's voice is to get to know Bill. And the Bible doesn't say, my lambs know my voice. It says, my sheep know my voice. What do the lambs do? Stick close to the sheep. You know, because it's the, what the prophet Chiquita said, the banana that leaves the bunch is the one who gets eaten. <laughs> so if you're a lamb, you stay with that. Bill taught me that one. I don't know if he got it from somewhere else. 
probably one of those things he read in the old days or whatever, but he might have made it up. I don't know. I love it, though. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means I hear his voice. Are you with me at all? I hear his voice. People are like, you know what? I've never heard the Lord. How are you following Jesus? You prayed a prayer. You know, sometimes you can get just enough of Jesus to be inoculated from the real thing. You meet somebody on a bus, on a plane, they start telling you their, their problems, their challenges in life, and you say, man, you need Jesus. They said, I already did that. They mean they prayed a prayer. Jesus is so far, I mean, they, they don't see Jesus. They, they don't hear Jesus. They're not following Jesus. They, somebody taught them that being a believer means praying a prayer. I think you can become a Christian by praying a prayer, but I don't think you can be a follower by just praying a prayer. You have to keep walking. And you can have to stay close enough. Listen, it, you know, listen. I think you can follow Jesus like a mile away, five miles away. You know, if it's flat ground, you're like, he's way out there. <laughs> and when you follow Jesus that far away, I don't know, this is just Chris's, say this is Chris's opinion. I don't know if you get convicted of sin or get convicted of righteousness, you know. I don't know that you get, like, it's kind of hard to hear that far away. But if you get close, it's really difficult to have stuff in your life you shouldn't have and not feel the power to get rid of it. That's a good word right there. John twelve twenty six. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Everybody say, follow me. And where I am... There my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. How many of you know that on this journey, following Jesus means that you serve Jesus? You can serve Jesus and not follow him. But you can't follow him and not serve him. <laughs> Just think about that. John 21:19. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death, speaking of Jesus, he would, that he would glorify God. I'm sorry, speaking to Peter. And when he spoke this, he said, follow me. And so he told Peter, you're going to follow me to death. How many know that sometimes we have to follow Jesus to death? This, I like this one. This will cheer you up. I'll put it towards the end. Mark 16, 16. He who is believed and is baptized shall be saved. He, is not who, he who disbelieves shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have prayed a prayer. These signs will accompany Christians. No. Oh, these signs will follow those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. How many know that loveless, powerless Christians are, are misrepresenting the kingdom's kingdom? Loveless and powerless Christians are misrepresenting the king and his kingdom. Jesus said, these signs might follow those who believe. These, these signs will follow the leaders who believe. These signs will follow some special people who believe. These signs will follow Christians who believe. No, these signs will follow those who believe. I can't do miracles. He said you could. Okay, that's good. I have a couple more minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Would you turn there, please?
I'd like to ask you two life-changing questions. The first one is this. Who are you following? And the second one is this. Who's following you? Who are you following? And who's following you? Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 4.14. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as beloved children. For if you had countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers in Christ Jesus, I became a father through the gospel. I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you to be imitators of me. Uh Uh-oh, now we got a problem. Therefore, I exhort you to be imitators of me. For this reason, what reason? Because I want you to be imitators of who? Me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy. Okay, let's back up. What reason did he send Timothy to them? He wanted them to be imitators of who? Paul. Okay. Who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord? He will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ. Just as I teach everywhere in every church. Let's stop for a minute. Paul said, I want you to be imitators of me. By the way, I'm your father. You have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And in the gospel, I become your father. Now, I'm going to send you Timothy. I'm sending you Timothy, my beloved son. He knows my ways, and he will teach you my ways, which are in Christ. Don't follow me, follow Jesus. It's supposed to be the same thing. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. See, Christians, you can follow them into a ditch, but if you follow believers, they're following Christ, then following me is following Jesus. Okay. 2 Thessalonians 3.9. Paul says this, But we, in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, so that you would follow our example... Not because we have a right to this, but in order for us to offer a model, ourselves as a model for you, so that you can follow our example. How many of you know that followers of Jesus are supposed to be a model that other people can follow? Paul said, we offered ourselves as a model for you, so you can model yourselves after us. How about this one? Philippians 2.17 Therefore, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Let me read it again. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Jesus, in um, John 14, Jesus said to the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They've said... uh, Excuse me. Show us the Father, and that'll be enough. And Jesus said, How long have I been with you? Do you not know that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you don't believe me on account of my words, believe me on account of my works, because the works that I do are not my works, but they're the works of the Father, what? Working through me. What's the next verse? And greater. Works will you do when I go to be with the Father? Okay, that's John 14. John 17 is the prayer of Jesus. We, we call Matthew 6 the Lord's Prayer, but John 17 is actually the prayer that Jesus prayed for us. Part of the prayer was, Father, the glory you've given me, I have given to them. 
I want you to give to them, that they would be in us and that we would be in them, that the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved me. How many of you know that the point is, is that Jesus is in the Father and the Father's in the Son? That's John 14. You can't separate the Father and the Son because the Father's in the Son and the Son's in the Father. You understand that? How many of you know that Jesus prayed that the way that the Father's in the Son and the Son's in the Father, that He would be in us and we would be in Him? It's called the unity of the Spirit. See, the unity of the Spirit isn't first that we would get along, it's that we would get along. Do you understand? See, we can get along and not do signs and wonders, but when we get along, we do signs and wonders. Why? Because you don't have to believe my words, but you believe my works. And Jesus went on to say, if I don't do the works of the Father, don't what? Believe me. See, I can be a Christian and not do works, but I can't be a believer and not do works because believers, these are the signs of those who believe. In other words, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How many know Jesus isn't the Father? Okay, let's try this. How many of you know that Jesus is not the Holy Spirit? Very good. Okay, let's go. Jesus is not the Father. Very good. But how many know that Jesus, the Father's in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father? Very good. How many of you know that you are not Jesus? Some of you didn't raise your hand. You're scaring me. How many of you know you are not the Father? How many of you know you are not the Holy Spirit? But how many of you know that the Holy Spirit came in you when you received Jesus? John 20. And how many of you know that after that happened, that you, that the disciples and, and we were commanded to wait for what the Father promised? And what was that? Called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was in me, and what does the baptism in the Holy Spirit do? It puts me in Him. Because, see, the Father is in Jesus, but Jesus is also in the Father. So the Spirit came in me, and then when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I came in Him. Now, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <laughs> if you've seen Christians, you've not necessarily seen the Father, but if you've seen followers, you've seen the Father. Because Jesus is in me, and I'm in Him. The Father's in me. I'm in the Father. The Holy Spirit's in me, and I'm in the Spirit. How many of you know that? Uh-oh. Are you guys quiet for just thinking? You're just, that's a thinking face, or is that the disagree face? Because I really am right about this part. Some of these pieces I've been sharing, I'm not sure that are right, but this piece, I know I'm right. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6, I'm almost done. You also, Paul said to the Thessalonians, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1, be imitators of me, Paul writes again to the Corinthians, just as I am of Christ. It's always a bummer when someone serves you, but they don't follow you. I'm always concerned... I, I, I go places, as we all do, I get, I get the privilege of going to many churches where people have a staff that work for them, but they don't follow them. I follow Jesus. Okay. Well, Paul said, you should follow me and imitate me as I follow Jesus. And my question is, who are you following? I'm following Jesus. Who else are you following? What does Jesus look like to you? 
Do you have anybody that you're following that looks like Jesus to you? Do you have anybody that you can imitate? And when you imitate them, you're imitating Jesus because they look just like Jesus. I'm really concerned that we are raising up that our culture. I'm not talking about Bethel. I really, really am not talking about Bethel. I'm, I'm making a global statement. I've just come back from a couple of trips and I'm deeply, deeply concerned. That globally, that Christianity and followers are not the same thing. I understand they would be here. And I've intentionally separated them just to get you to think. But I can tell you that globally, being a Christian and being a follower of Jesus, unfortunately, are not synonymous. And I'm concerned that people are making Christians who who actually follow nobody. And that when you say, you know, who's your leader, they go Jesus. And when they say... Well, who's your leader on earth? Like, who does Jesus have you? Who's, who's, who's shepherding you? And they're like, no, I, listen, I, I'll follow Jesus. I only follow Jesus. And I'm like, well, Jesus, Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. And I, I'm really concerned that whole ministries are rising up where people, they will work for someone for money, but they won't follow them for Christ. And now I look with new eyes in the last two months. I was in a situation a few months ago, and I didn't realize it. I was in a situation a a few months ago that I was trying to help some people work out some stuff in another country. And I, I, I was bewildered. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And about a month ago, maybe maybe two months ago, I realized something that the leader had servants who weren't following him. They got a job. I didn't come here for a job. I I came here to follow Jesus through Bill and Benny. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus? Come on. Let's, Let's not be ridiculous. But I believe that the Lord puts people together and he gives us fathers and mothers in our life. I asked the Lord, why did he choose Reading when we were making our decision? I said, Lord, why did you choose Reading? It's so hot there. It's literally hot as hell. Like, you don't have to preach hell here. People are like, you guys don't preach hell at Reading. It's like, have you ever come here? Listen, have you ever come here? Like, it's a living message. (laughs) Preach without words. Okay. I'm like, you've never been to Reading, have you? No. Yeah, I know. I get it. I understand. It's like preaching hard work to my grandfather, you know? Like, you just need to work hard. Yeah, right. Okay, whatever. But I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why why did you choose Reading? He said, I didn't choose Reading. I chose Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson chose Reading. Now, maybe Bill chose Reading because he's following Jesus. I don't know. But, you know, I'm like, wherever he is, that's where I'm going to be. And I told the story, and I know I'm embarrassing Bill, and I'm sorry for that, but it is my story, so I'm going to tell it. <laughs> we were together for a lot of years, Kathy and I and Bill and Benny, and we, and we were the closest of friends, and I, I know without a doubt that we would die for one another. 
The question is, will we live for one another, right? That's the real question. Some, you can die. No, I mean sincerely. Like, you can take a bullet for somebody, but will you live for them daily? Because you can do that with one, one decision. But, but living for someone sometimes tougher, isn't it? You have to make daily decisions to lay down your life for someone else. And I'm not sure that I've... I, in fact, I am sure I haven't done that perfectly. But um, Bill and I, we went to uh, Colorado. My, my kids were leading uh, a YWAM base there, and they had invited Bill to speak. And I hadn't... I hadn't seen Bill too much once uh, when he left Weirville. It's a time of two years when he left Weirville to the time that we came. And so I was really eager to to spend some time with Bill. And we were, um, they put us up in a a cabin. I don't don't know if old people can do cabins, Bill. I don't think I could stay in a cabin nowadays. (laughs) Unless Jesus was there, then I'd follow him there. (laughs) Just thought of that. (laughs) Almost ruined my own message. I will die for you, but I won't sleep in a hard, on a hard bed. And so, um, anyway, so we, we stayed in a cabin together. Uh, uh, both had a, a twin bed. And, and the bathroom, Bill was, Bill's uh, bed was next to the bathroom, of, of which I utilize in the evenings. <laughs> when other people are sleeping, the Lord never sleeps. And I follow him at night to the bathroom. <laughs> For various natural and supernatural reasons. <laughs> so I would walk by Bill's bed in the middle of two, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And I would hear him say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're amazing. Jesus, I love you. He's completely asleep. He's doing that in his sleep. Dude, I'm working on it while I'm awake. Seriously, like, I'm trying to, like, you know, learn to not say bad words when I'm awake and say good stuff. You're, you know, hit yourself with a hammer, you know, the, everything that's in there comes out. Oh, Jesus loves me so much. All things work together for good, you know. And I walk by Bill when he's unconscious and he's saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're amazing. I think we stayed five nights there, if I remember correctly. Four or five nights we stayed there. Every night. I'd get up to go to the bathroom just to hear Bill. (laughs) Inspired my kidneys. (laughs) And I'm sure Kathy will remember this, because when I came home, I was... First of all, the ministry there was amazing. You remember, we we saw some really supernatural stuff happen there. And uh, that was awesome. But I, I was touched by that. But I was really, really rocked by Bill. And I missed him. And I came home. And uh, Kathy's like, you know, you know, she wants all the details. You know, ladies, they like the details, you know. It's good, though. It's good. You know you ladies use three times as many words per day as we do. You know why? We don't care about the details. Like, Jesus came. People got healed. What happened? People got healed. I just said it. <laughs> if any woman would have wrote a, cha- uh, wrote a book of the Bible, the Bible would be twice as thick. And you would know a lot more about Jesus. True. <laughs> Did, did, did a woman write one of the books? Of... Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, the Amplified Translation is a woman's Bible. Oh, you're serious. I thought you were teasing. The Amplified... Oh, my God. I don't even know if I should say that now. Do you know the Amplified Bible was translated by a woman? <laughs> That's why it's like twice as thick. Like, oh, you can't even carry one of those around. It's like... And Jesus said, spoke in infinite. And... Okay, whatever. Awesome. And I came home from that retreat, that whatever it was, the YWAM thing that, that we did together. And I, I said to Kathy, I, I need to be with Bill. I was, I was born to be with Bill. And she said, well, you know, we have this house and you can go visit him. I said, no, no, I need to be with Bill. You know, Jesus sent out Peter and John. And I'm like, I don't know if we're Peter and John or like, you know, Larry and Moe or. I mean, I really don't know. I'm not trying to make myself like one of the apostles or something. I just know that my life isn't complete without this man in my life and Benny, too. And I, I felt, you know, you don't know what you got till, you, till it's gone. And Bill was gone two years from my, I mean, we, we visited, but I mean, on a regular basis. And I, I came home and I said to Kathy, I, I, I need to be with Bill. And that's a long story. That doesn't, it's not part of what I'm talking about tonight. But I, I want to ask you, who are you following? Who are you following? Well, I work for this ministry. Are you following them? Well, you know, my, my leader's not perfect. Oh, you find someone perfect. <laughs> it must be Jesus. There's nobody perfect. Nobody's perfect. And yeah, I'll just leave it there. Bill's pretty close. Benny's closer. Now she's working out like her and Jesus. She's following Jesus. I'm like, I hope Jesus isn't working out. I mean, seriously, I love that Benny is, but I hope Jesus isn't, because that means I'm going to have to do that someday. <laughs> I really have no desire, but, you know, the comforter will comfort me, I guess. I, I need to finish. It, it, I, I want to know, I want you to ask yourself, am I actually following anybody? Am I imitating Am I imitating someone who's imitating Jesus? Do I have a model? Do I have a role model? This is really... You know what, if we, if we weren't talking about uh, Christianity and believers right now, you wouldn't have any problem with this message. If I said, hey, who's your mentor? You'd be like, oh, John's my mentor. Hey, you know, if, I, if you were in business and you were new in business and I said, hey, do you have a mentor, you know? Because if someone, someone new in business comes to me and says, man, I need some advice. Before they, I say anything, I say, how long have you been in business? I've been in business two years. Do you have a mentor? No. Okay, well, before you ask me any questions, you need to find yourself a mentor. Who do I find? Somebody who's ahead of you. That will help. And you wouldn't have any problem with that. But when we talk about spiritual things, it's amazing. It's all through the book. Jesus made disciples. The nature of a disciple is someone's discipling them. This is very deep. I don't know if some of you can get this. You'll have to go home and like research it and read the Amplified Bible. <laughs> the nature of discipleship is someone's discipling you. It's not that hard. And, you know, I, I've said it many times, but it's funny that we will go to work for a boss who doesn't know God. And that's okay, by the way. No, no problem. 
We'll go to work for a boss who doesn't know God. We'll get there when he or she says. We'll do everything they say. We'll take lunches, vacations, everything with their permission and, and not think twice about it. We'll come to church and, and you get asked, to, can you work in the nursery? And it's a big deal. And I'm like, why will you do for money what you won't do for love? It's really strange that you'll do for money what you won't do for love. And it's like, wow, have you ever heard of the shepherding movement? You can't tell me what to do. It's like you go to work and your boss tells you what to do every day. And you never say to him, you can't tell me what to do. Well, he pays me. Oh, so you, your loyalty is dictated by money. What does that say? Who are you serving if you will do for money what you won't do for love? Doesn't that tell you who your master is? Well, if I go there and tell him I, that, that, he, that I won't do what he says, I'll lose my job. Oh, yeah. But here you expect to get into the kingdom with all the rewards of the king and not listen to the authority he's put in your life. Well, I have no authority. Oh, so you have authority in the earthly realm, but you have no authority in the spiritual realm. Isn't that interesting? I wonder what you're going to do with most of the epistles. I guess you're going to throw those away. Because many of the epistles are about. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Well, what are those for? Oh, so we can make fun of them and not follow them. Uh, Hebrews 13, obey your leaders. Yes, well, that's there. That's your opinion. In the original Greek, it says, obey your leaders. Yeah, well, that was in the first century, and we're in the 21st century, and whatever. That's why they had believers in the first century, and we have Christians now. People who have no connection. Just a title. Had one experience, prayed a prayer, and called themselves Christians, and every day misrepresent the king and his kingdom. Powerless, loveless people who behave any way they want, have no leader, no accountability, and they're destroying our reputation all over the world. And when you go into the palace of kings in, in many different countries and you say, I'm a Christian, they think crusades, lovelessness, rules, da-da-da, and they don't even know what it is to meet Jesus. And personally, when I go to see kings from this day forward, I will say, I am a follower of Jesus. Are you a Christian? Uh, no. <laughs> Depends on what you mean by that. You understand what I'm saying, of course. Would you stand, please? If you want to follow Jesus, raise your hand. Pray this prayer. How many of you, sincerely, you want to follow Jesus. You don't want to be a Christian. You want to be a follower of Jesus. And if that means being a Christian, then I want to be a Christian. But I want to first be a follower of Jesus. Some of you say amen to that. And everything that, that, that embraces. So, Lord, we just pray right now. In Jesus' name, you would break off anything that isn't of you in our lives. You bring conviction in our lives. We'd be close enough to the holy God that, when we, get, when, that we would be convicted of sin and we wouldn't make excuses for it. You give us power to be delivered from sin because you came to destroy the works of the devil. And that verse is talking about sin that entangles us. And so, Lord, we thank you that you've given us power over every, every power of the devil and that you want a holy people, a holy temple, and that you called us to be 
that you called us to be a holy people, a royal priesthood, nobility. And Lord, I pray that you would release that over every single person who's listening by iBethel TV, and especially people who are offended tonight. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name for people who are, I'm serious, for people who are offended tonight, God, that you would speak to them in the night, that you would talk to them in the day. Lord, that you would let them know that your kingdom has benefits, but it is the king's dominion. It is the king's dominion. You want to be king of kings and lord of lords, and you want to be lord of our life, not just savior. And Lord, we just release that over the whole body of Christ, that we would represent Christ. And when people have seen us, they've seen, they've seen the Father. And Lord, if they don't believe us on account of our words, that they would believe us on account of our works. And we begin to do mighty works, and we would destroy the works of the devil, and bring the love of God, the power of God, the presence of God. And Lord, because we're with you, there's no separation between the presence of God and the presence of believers. Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.